Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. The incomparable Neil Kulong. As always, it is excellent to be here. It's nice to not have a game in, in two days to go over, but it um, seems the Steelers might need more time than what they have to get ready for this one. My goodness. Um, let's start with this, Neil. 24 minutes of offensive possession in the game. The Cleveland Browns played 24 consecutive minutes of straight man coverage. What does that tell you about the receivers? That they're probably upset. Um, choosing my words carefully, I, I think I think there are some understandable frustrations um, that would go on, and they're like, let, let's let's just put this out there now. If you were to watch the height of of Patrick Mahomes, the best of Josh Allen, any point of Tom Brady, even in their best games, you're going to find plays where other receivers were open. Yes. Okay. It, it's not as simple as that, but it it honestly feels like Mitch Trubisky is not physically able to see further than ten yards down the field. Um, there are schematic issues because for a third game in a row now, and I said this last week, you're looking at a, a complete offensive ineptitude in the second half. That's not a coincidence. That's a defense that sees the only three things that the quarterback is going to do when throwing the ball, and they're defending it without fear of consequence. He doesn't throw the ball deeper down the field. When he does, it's not usually to a receiver who's noticeably open. Not that that option is always available, but it's like he's being told play to play exactly where to go with the ball, and he's not deviating from that. And it seems like... Uh, opposing defenses are aware of it and they are doing whatever without fear of retribution. They can just sit on the outlet because they're going to blitz. Trubisky is going to see the blitz and not look at anything else. This is the only place he's going to go to the ball. So they're baiting him into these things and he's, he's falling into it as simply as, you know, snapping the ball. So you're not going to generate much offense. And this is why they have multiple three and outs every fourth quarter. Every team is, is knowing exactly what they're doing. Now, as far as the receivers are concerned, they typically, well, there's one of them that's getting targeted plenty, and there are a couple others that aren't getting targeted at all. Right. Um, a large part of that is because they're not running any plays. They don't have any possession. So it, it's harder to spread the ball around when uh, for three games in a row, your, your opponent is snapping the ball at least 25% more than you are. Um, you don't have the opportunities. That isn't the problem, though. I mean, it, it really kind of becomes a, a, um, a chicken versus the egg thing. Are they not having the possession because they're not doing anything else? Or is the lack of production uh, due to the fact that they're not able to get ahead early and, and continue and extend drives? It looks – I thought that Mitch Trubisky played okay in the first half I of agree. The, the Cleveland game. I you know, agree. Now you, can't, you can't really scream about it. It wasn't outstanding, but right. it wasn't bad. Right. He took a 14-13 lead in, into the locker room. That's you know, right. you're, you're, not, you're not upset with that. But then he didn't do anything else for the rest of the game. And you can understand where the frustration will be coming from. And this is really what this is about. I, I think it's that the pressure is mounting. 
And this is a, a very good opportunity to have a, a get-right game uh, by Mitch Trubisky, um, by, by Najee Harris, and the Steelers' offense. They really need uh, to be more efficient and to run more plays in this game to, to really open up everything else, um, if, to, to show opponents that they're capable of doing something else. Right now, it just seems like the easiest thing in the world to prepare to play this offense. They barely put anything down on film because they don't have the ball. <laughs> they do the same two things on, on third downs, uh, and they don't have very much success moving the chains. They're, they're completing passes to the same players over and over. It's, it, it, it's just not hard to get ready to defend uh, the Steelers' offense, and that's, that's noticeable in the second half of all three games. Not saying it's anybody's fault. When it comes to like Trubisky, like I said, I thought he had a good, not awesome and incredible, he had a good first half. There's no, I mean, really, any, anybody objectively can see that. But is there a point where the leash does get short and, hey, look, it can't hurt to put Kenny Pickett in? I think we're at the point where it can't hurt to put Kenny Pickett in. Whether they'll do that or not is probably a, a matter of um, sticking to a, a an original plan that they had. I'll say this, whatever publicly they're going to say about it, objectively viewing it, it doesn't seem to add up and they're, they're going to support who's in there because uh, it, my assumption here is that they are coaching Trubisky to do exactly what he's doing. Right. This is the way that they feel mm-hmm. um, it is the best way for them to play the game week in and week out. You have issues with your offensive line, though give them credit. They've done a reasonable job. They've gotten better. Um, their, their run blocking has improved. Um, the short game kind of takes out the limitations of their, their pass protection, but they're playing within that structure. Um, to some degree, I think Mitch is really just kind of a, a, a studio quarterback. You know, he's, he's the guy brought in, play this and only this, and don't do anything else. You know, that that's what you're paid to do. This is what you need to do. It's not yielding results in any way. And if they feel that the quarterback is doing it, logically, you're going to think that, well, a quarterback is doing exactly what you're telling him to do. But it, it's the position that affects the score of the game the most. And I, I certainly don't need to tell Mike Tomlin or Matt Canada that. You, you need explosive plays in this league now. You, you need them. You can't just rely on three and a half yards in a cloud of dust and, and play defense to win games. Um, they're going to have to get more out of their quarterback if they want to win. If that's not what they're looking to do, yeah, I guess not really much of a point in, in changing quarterbacks anyway. But um, just looking at the management side of it, Pickett's going to be your starter next year. If you're not winning games, at, at some point it would stand a reason that you're going to put him in. Um, I don't know exactly when that's going to be. I don't know if there is ever a perfect non-injury-related time for that. Right. But I, I would think it's coming soon. Uh, because, like I said, you, the Jets are, are a very volatile team. You're not sure what you're getting with them week in and week out. Beyond that, though, it, it, it's reasonable to think the Steelers aren't going to win a game for a while. I mean, it's, you're, you're looking at um, it maybe you're not sure what you're getting out of Tampa Bay just yet, but you're at Buffalo, then you're at home against Tampa Bay, and then you got road games against the Dolphins and the Eagles, which are two teams you absolutely don't want to play right now. Um, it, it, with the, at the Dolphins in prime time, that's I, I bet on zero and four in that that string right now. That's a hard row to to hoe, and I, I don't really know 
how they're going to overcome that. If you get your second win of the year against the Jets and then take a four-game losing streak after that, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure where you're going, but you've got to buy after the Eagles game. Uh, your season is pretty much over. If, if, you, if, if they lose um, Sunday and then the four after that, if they're on a, a, a seven-game losing streak, your season's over. It, at that point, you may as well put Pickett in. So uh, if it's not before that, I, I'm not sure why to hold out unless it's to, to protect him. And if that's the case, you know, I, I don't know what you're doing with everything else then. You're just saving it all for next year when you're going to probably overhaul your coaching staff. Um, it, it, I don't see the benefit top to bottom in how they would approach it. I would prefer just to get Pickett in. But, um, again, if, if we are to believe that they're pleased with what Trubisky is doing, this is what they want him to do, and, and the results are, are not, uh, they're not good. I, I don't think anybody can say that they are. Part of the mirage with the Steelers last year versus the reality, the mirage being that T.J. Watt is so effective getting sacks – and Cameron Hayward had a really good year. But the bottom line is the Steelers' defensive front spent a lot of time last year getting the front seven, getting pushed around. Right? Watt sacks aside and some of the things Hayward did, for the most part last year, their front seven got pushed around. Thursday night, what did the Cleveland Browns do? Without Watt, they really pushed them around to the tune of 36 minutes. Neil, how worried are they that... That's something that you can't correct. They got flat out dominated up front by a by a very good offensive line. No that played an excellent game, but they got um, pushed around last year, and the oh, fan, yeah. the fans yep. won't admit it because Watt makes it seem like, "Whoa, hey, that front's great." And Hayward had some really good moments. The other five guys didn't. I mean, they really struck. They got pushed around last year, and they got pushed around again Thursday night. Yeah, I agree completely, and, and they absolutely did. And I don't think it's a coincidence either that they also got pushed around on a Thursday night road game last year when the Vikings were set to break right. all kinds of, of NFL records yep. against them. Um, what's the commonality in all this? I think it's interesting because everyone was saying up and down that, that uh, the return of Tyson Alulu fixes a lot of that. Well, he just got benched. Yep. I, I said that this offseason. Like, you don't get better at playing football by not playing football. I've and said that a million somebody, times. I've yeah, said, yep. it, it, speaking as somebody who is relatively close to Alulu in age, I, I can assure you, you take time off. It, it's not as simple as just hopping back on the field. There's a lot that you have to do. And all, all due respect to him, he was a phenomenal player in his career. I, I have really enjoyed watching him play. You just, it, it is hard physically to come back, and it's not about the injury. It's about the time off. Your body doesn't catch up as quickly anymore. And it's obvious after three weeks that he can't hang. So he's not going to. Montrevious Adams is going to be their starter now. Um, it, it, and the other players need to, to get a lot better as well. It can't just be Cam Hayward in this, the situation that they're in now. They had the ultimate bailout plan in T.J. Watt last year. You know, look at the, the Seattle game. Watt made a play, I think, in, in the, the first drive of that game and then was largely – you know, it, not really a factor uh, throughout Seattle's comeback to the point where they get they, they they tie the game up, they get the ball in overtime, and then Watt takes over again, and it's over. When you don't have that difference maker on the field, you're you, really the difference between last year and this year. They're getting pushed around either way. Right. Watt though can can flip the game. They don't have anybody that, that's really showing that they're capable of doing that. They asked uh, for a Herculean effort out of Cam Hayward last year. Um, <clears throat> 
you know, if, if Hayward is still on the team next year, they might want to think about, you know, limiting him, coming up with a different game plan for a Thursday night game because he, he, he's not doing well on these Thursday night games. No. And their, their defense was, was uh, flat against a good team. You know, give them credit for doing what they do, but they're facing a lot of good teams here coming up. And if they, we're in week three and they look exhausted already, um, in, you know, to be fair, they are because the offense can't hold on to the ball. They shouldn't be running. They're on pace. I saw this earlier. They're on pace. The defense is on pace to be on the field for 1,300 snaps. That's yeah. like 30% higher than, than average. Yeah. Um, they're not going to last. They're not going to make it. So the, the offense has a part of this as well. But the defense it wore down as they, you know, as you think that they would have uh, with as many snaps as they've played. Nobody is deep enough to, to take on that kind of workload. And we're seeing it already uh, become a problem. And how talented they were up front. We saw a lot of good things out of them in week one. They played five quarters, um, play one game, and then a short week game. Maybe the extra rest here will help. Maybe we'll see them a bit more uh, refreshed. But if they're not, it's going to be a really long season on both sides of the ball. Uh, Micah Fitzpatrick is in concussion protocol. Uh, If he does not get out of it before game time, what does that do to the Steeler defense? Um. A lot of very bad things. Yes, it, it's it, he's he's the dynamic playmaker that's on the field. He takes away uh, it, it, the back third of the entire offensive approach. It shortens their ability. Um, not just makes it harder to complete deeper stuff, but you're threatening uh, a long punt on an early down when he's back there. Do not have him in there along with Watt not being in there. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what you're planning on doing, but it, it, you're you're going to be in trouble. Um, he, he is an excellent playmaker. He's the best deep safety in the NFL. They've used him in that way, and he's provided results uh, consistently. Uh, to not have him, I think, creates a, a complete void of playmaking ability, and I don't know how you're able to scheme a way around that. Um, the best way to do it would be to, to possess the ball and not put your defense into uh, too many situations because they're going to have to force punts, not take the ball away, or sack the quarterback uh, without the two guys they have that are best at doing that. It, it's tough. It's tough. No question. Uh, they're playing the Jets. Uh, are the Jet? I know the Jets had that miracle at the end against Cleveland. Are they any better than in recent years? I like to think what they have. It, I don't even know if we've really seen them this year. I mean, you know? to, I mean, let's be honest about it here. You can't keep drafting that high and be worse. You'd think so, right? And that that's like at some point they're going to put this together. I don't know about their quarterback. I, I yeah. I don't know how much I liked the quarterback. You know, I, he's got a, a he's got a nice level of arm talent for sure, um, and I, I clearly I'm not the person to be making these decisions because I was the guy saying that if, if Robert Salah uh, is going over to the Jets uh, with a team like that, you want to get the quarterback who's closest to his ceiling right now and not the one that, that's a project over several years. Mm-hmm. Should have taken Justin Fields. Well, Justin Fields is one of the few quarterbacks who at this point has played worse than Mitch Trubisky has. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe that isn't going to work out. But we don't know what we have with Zach Wilson. 
Um, they're, they're going to struggle with that offensively. I don't really know what their identity is, but with it, it, it was good for them. I think to have a guy like Joe Flacco uh, for three weeks because Flacco is so up and down and Flacco, he's not, if, if there's say anything about that guy, one thing that he has going for him is he has absolutely no fear. He doesn't care. He's going to get the ball down the field. The guy has, has an unbelievable amount of confidence in his arm strength and he should, uh, but he, he's able to hit on those big plays. You're worried about that. It's not that Zach Wilson doesn't have that ability. It's that he doesn't seem to process the game fast enough to see where those things are coming from. So you really have to scheme that, scheme that up. He's not just making those plays on his own accord. Um, it, can he be consistent with that? I, I don't know. We haven't seen Zach Wilson um, since he got hurt back in the preseason. We don't know who he's going to be. But they've, they've put talent on the field. There's a lot of talent on their defense. Um, they, they should be able to make – uh, uh, they should be able to make a, a solid effort in most of their games because of the athleticism and the talent they have defensively. And we're seeing that from them. I don't know how quickly it's all coming together. I don't know how uh, it's strong they're going to be overall in what looks like now a, a pretty tough division over there. Um, it, I don't know if they're any better than six wins, which is very typical for them. So in, in a roundabout way, I don't know if they've improved at all. It's just they, it seems like they have more ways to beat you now than they have before. It's a matter of them putting it together. Six wins by the Jets normally leads to a parade. Everybody has their own standards. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know how there even are Jets fans. I mean, it, it's that, that's not an easy team to root for year in and year out. And they put stuff together. Robert, I think Robert Sala is a good coach. I do too. Um, I think Robert Sala is a very good coach. They they've put guys there to kind of help out, but you you need that thing to bring it all together. In my opinion, that's usually your quarterback, and I'm not sure. Uh, if that's the right quarterback. I, I didn't know if that's the guy that they should have taken. Um, I see why they took him, for sure. We saw glimpses of it, but his floor is pretty low, too. And I don't think they're strong enough where they sit today. Um, to it, 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 They're going to need more than to rely on their very young, uh, very inexperienced quarterback in order to win games. As I've said before, hope is not a strategy. All right. <laughs> That seems we, to be. We end with that too too many times. Too many times, but I also think it is the Jets' motto. <laughs> yep. That and yep. The, that and the Arizona Coyotes and the Sacramento they, Kings. I forgot about the Sacramento Kings. They blew up the arena. I thought the team they folded or something. I guess not. Well, why do you think Ballmer owns the Clippers? Steve, I'd rather own the Clippers. Steve, the Steve Ballmer tried to buy the Kings and moved them to Sacramento. I mean, he moved them to Seattle. He tried to move them to Seattle. And then Kevin Johnson, the former NBA point guard with the Suns, yep. is the mayor of Sacramento. And he got Globe One Arena built, which is a palace. So the Kings stayed, so Ballmer bought the Clippers for $2 billion. Yep. Cash. Yep. That sounds like what the, um, uh, Red McCombs did with the oh, Vikings yes. back in the day. Yes. He bought the team with the idea solely of, I can build a new arena and or move them. He was a Texan. And yep. He was talking about moving to San Antonio. Yep. Um, but he never got either of those things to work, so he sold them. Yeah, <laughs> still, sold still made a mint, but yeah. it was like 
he never owned the team for the sake of owning the team. He's really just kind of a, a Stan Cranky real estate tycoon <laughs> type that, that's looking to profit in the billions off oh my relocating God. teams from one place to another and then building a, a basically a gigantic football theme park for them somewhere. Right, and that's what Cronky did. Cronky's doing that right yep. now at SoFi. They're turning it into, like, I guess NFL Network's there, NFL.com's there. They're yep. turning it into a campus. And then he also owns the Colorado Avalanche, so he has a Stanley Cup. They had to explain to him what a puck was, right? And then he, <laughs> he owns the, he owns the Nuggets, right? They own the Colorado Rapids of MLS. Uh, his let's see, his wife is Ann Walton. Ann Walton's is it brother? Just bought the the, the Broncos, yeah, with all yeah. that Walmart money. Right, and it's a competition in the family as to who has more money, exactly. Stan or Ann. I mean, it's it's an interesting life, Neil. The problem, I mean, uh, those kind of problems we don't have. <laughs> they're, if they're as competitive as my family is over Thanksgiving Day related games and activities, I'd, I'd feel I'd, I'd feel vastly inferior anyway. But it's like the the level of money that flows between people that it's it, it's. I can't even get my head around it. I mean, it, it's just nuts. And for them, that that's just, you know, regular day, regular business type stuff. Well, I mean, to them, the competition is who's involved with more banks. I'm involved yep. with 22. Oh, I've got 28. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Interesting problem to have. Neil, always a pleasure. You can, once again, take this to the bank. Definitely. Good stuff. Thanks for having me, guys.